Welcome to My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint. On this season of my podcast, I'll be talking to a variety of people, from creative entrepreneurs to business owners to writers to entertainers and others, about being bold and courageous, overcoming obstacles, and taking risks, all in the name of chasing dreams and building a career. I hope their stories will inspire you on your own journey. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Steve Shenbaum, a classically trained actor and comedian and founder and president of Game On Nations, a communications leadership and team building firm based in Bradenton, Florida. For over 27 years, Steve and his team have worked with some of the country's most recognizable athletes, college and professional sports teams, including NASCAR, the LA Lakers, the New York Yankees, and more, with Fortune 500 companies, government, military leaders, and he's an expert, an industry expert in presentation, public speaking, team building, and communications training. In his past career as an actor, Steve was featured in American Pie 2, Ed TV, Space Jam, The Third Will with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Will and Grace, Married with Children, Beverly Hills 90210, and more than 100 national commercials. Steve graduated from Northwestern University with a degree in performance studies and also trained at the British American Drama Academy in Oxford, England. Hi, Steve. How are you? Trinette, most importantly, well, father and husband, <laughs> and also you've known me for over 25 years. I know. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Where has the time gone? It's amazing, actually. I love it. I love that. I told my girls as I was driving them to school this morning, they're 12 and 9, they're like, tell me about Miss Trinette. And I said, I have known, or Trinette has known daddy since he was Shemmy 25 years ago. And they really got a kick out of that and had tons of questions, but then I had to drop them off at school and here we are. So good to see you, my friend. You too. You Thanks. too. I hope that it's uh, far less than 25 years we can see each other in person again. For sure. Yeah. That's going to happen. Good promise. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in here. Um, let's talk about Game On Nation, your company. Where did this idea come from and when did you have it? Mm, you know, I originally had it. And I'll try to go quick with this sort of origin story. When I was like 14, I was my mom's an abstract artist. She's still with us. She's 92 years old. She's in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And I said to her when I was 14, I said, I want to start a company one day that uh, honors the arts and sports. So I was really into like... Um, dual worlds because mm -hmm. I played sports at my prep school and I was also in the theater and I found those two worlds had more in common than people thought. So that was the yeah. initial plant was, yeah. and the idea, it didn't come to fruition. This idea was called double play. Like I was really into like the double entendre, like <laughs> double play, but that really was the beginning. And then, you know, when you and I knew each other in Los Angeles was when I, part of it was at a necessity, Trinette. It was, um, I was, doing improv and I, I really wanted to do more than just be an actor and I want to have mm -hmm. more control of my career path. So part of it was yeah. just that dynamic. And so I started teaching uh, my friends and athletes how to um, interview on their like shows. Like a couple of my friends were being interviewed on like the Today Show or like, you know, mm -hmm. some of those interviews. And so I started helping them and that's how I created the curriculum for Game On. So 1997. Wow. Wow. I love that, uh, that you stuck with it and have created this like amazing company. 
and, Thank you. and so unique. That's amazing. <laughs> um, how did your training as an actor influence your decision to create your company? If it did at all. It did. I mean, a lot of, when I studied Northwestern, um, one of the things that's on that track, if you go this route is improv, you know, you mm -hmm. can kind of take the drama track, which we, I, I enjoy that, but it wasn't totally my vibe. And then there was the musical theater track, which was just, there was so much talent at Northwestern that with musical theater, but I kind of took this improvisation track at mm. Northwestern. And that really opened my eyes up to the power of comedy, the mm -hmm. power of interactivity. But whenever I was in improv, I wasn't the best improver in the classes, but I always looked at it as a way to use as a teaching technique. Like that was my big focus when I was uh, teaching improv and uh, okay. learning improv. So that's kind of what opened it up was my theater experience at Northwestern involved improvisation. And that's what we use as part of our driving force for our curriculum. Yeah. And I guess when you're up there running, you know, your team building workshops and helping people, it's all about like, you know, trust and vulnerability. And yeah. those are things I imagine that you would have learned at Northwestern in your improv. So I can see how that correlates. That's exactly. I mean, you, you have a background in that as an actress mm -hmm. and as a model and this idea of being able to listen. A lot of techniques in improvisation that uh, if you avoid trying to be funny are really important for human mm -hmm. behavior. Like, you, you you should be compassionate in an improv scene. Like it, it helps build the scene. Like you should try to take care of your fellow like scene member. You know, I'm saying this really slowly because yeah. I'm trying to like, like be really obvious to your listeners. Like these things are not just trying to be the funniest cat in the room. Like that's not my jam. It's like improv is actually a really beautiful art form. If mm. you focus on like laughing with and inclusion, yeah. like all these hot right. words that are out there, like, they're in the improv. Like if you want to have a good scene, don't shame someone. Don't make them feel like a clown and give them space and let them talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listening is so important and in so many things that we do for sure. Um, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you set up Game On? And I'll try to address this just from like almost a business perspective, because I know a lot of uh, your listeners um, may have a desire to like be an entrepreneur. Um, OT, are you still there? I am here. I am here. Oh, I lost your audio. I lost your video, but ah. I have you on audio. I'm here. That's okay. If you can hear me, you can I hear can me? Hear yes. Perfect. I Let's keep rolling then. Yep. Well, I'll use that. Uh, that's improvisation, being spontaneous. You know, one of the challenges was <laughs> – Live theater. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I think one of the challenges when I started out was the obvious, like just where's the income going to come from? You know, when do you mm -hmm. want to move off of your current career as an actor and can you support yourself? But those are kind of more logistics. I think one of the challenges just was that, um, you know, you, there's not a lot of people around you when you start in, uh, a business to like – um, so you question yourself a little bit. You, you say, yeah. am I, am I, am I really able to do this? Like I got to establish myself as a, uh, subject matter expert in this field, but do I have the authority to, mm. to, um, to speak, you know, uh, I always talk about earning the right to, to teach. And so when you're young, it's a harder. That's it. Maybe that's it. I was 27 years old and I'm, I'm 53 now. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I've, I've been there. I've made mistakes. But when you're starting out at like 25, you're like, is anyone going to listen to what I have to say? Right. Still right. growing. Yeah, that's it. That did, was one of the challenges. Did you have any uh, mentors in this space when you mm, first That's started? a great question. And I think that that actually goes to, it's so important to 
Um, I did. I had a couple agents, one being Bill Duffy, who's a mm -hmm. sports agent, and he was from Southern Cal, a little older than me. And um, yeah, it was important for to have like an accountability coach and a mm -hmm. mentor and sort of a what I'd call a board of a board of directors, if you will, early on. That's that's actually I would say a great answer to when you're starting out. Like mm -hmm. bring bring some folks around you that can give you a different perspective, maybe have a few years on you. Yeah. Bill Duffy yeah. was very helpful and also opened up some of my first clients because he represented athletes and he, he trusted me, but yeah, Bill was very helpful. Nice. Nice. Um, and a communications firm is a huge departure from acting. Once you set it up, did you ever doubt your decision? I mean, you kind of answered that a little bit before. Um, how did you overcome self-doubt to keep yeah. going? This is, this is important, and this has not been an easy question for me to answer. I think one of my – I'm not into like superpowers because I think that that makes it seem so lofty and unattainable. But like the small thing that differentiates uh, some from others, I did not ever make what I do my identity. Mm. That's, that's tricky. Like when I was an actor, I never was like, this is who I am as a person. Cause then when I got rejected, it would really be crushing. So yeah, one of the things that I worked through was I made a, a vow that even if I start game on and it's my company that I would not make it my identity. It's not who I am, which is really tricky because you also mm -hmm. want to be totally driven. And I know you are right. like, right. you're yep. a driven person, like you're a goer, but it's this fine tension that I don't fully have the answer to, but how do you get after something with all of your being? And at the same time go, this is not who I am. It's like so hard. But that that was one yeah. of the ways that I avoided that um, that sort of crushing defeat was I was able to separate that. Yeah, that is a great answer. And it just as a, you know, as a talent, as a performer, you really do have to parse that out and separate it because it can just destroy your self-confidence and your yeah, self-worth if you identify too much as that, if you make that your whole reason for being. Yeah. And, and, and maybe there's ways we can share some just techniques. Like I would always find things that I'd love to do that have nothing to do with being an actor. Yeah. And, and even with game on things that I could do because you know, and I know it is hard when people like, don't take it personally. Like, come on, how do I not? <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. You know, don't take it personally, Trinette. Well, who, it was you in the room. Like it was me. I got, I was one that you said no to like, yeah. I'm not a hologram. Yeah. I'm not a hologram. Yeah. So, so I tried to like, I even came up with a concept called coins in game on, which are things that you value that really bring you light that have nothing to do with what you do for a living. You know, it could be your, could be your family, could be places that are significant to you, your pets, um, uh, people that have impacted you. And I've always tried to use my coins as sort of a way to bring me value and mm -hmm. currency mm -hmm. that goes beyond what I was actor, what I am now game on. And so I try to use those coins as um, sort of armor. So yeah. when things go south, I'm not like, oh, that was a knock on me. No, it's just, that's how business goes. Mm. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have, I mean, you have coins. I mean, we talked about it. You have your dog, right? Yeah, Avery. And you have yeah. Boston and you have travel. I mean, I've got to share with, with your uh, listeners that like you're in my algorithm, Trinette, even though we haven't seen each other in 25 years, like I've been able to keep up with you on social and, you know, traveling, Paris, modeling, 
Avery community, Boston, like those are things that make you smile. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's true. So anyway, that's cool. <laughs> All right. I got my own coins then. Okay. Love Come on. That. <laughs> Come on. Um, how is Game On Nation different from other communications firms? Mm. I would have answered this differently 10 years ago. Cool. Mm. 10 years ago, I would have tried to like sound like we're wildly different. And I've gotten a little more humble in my old age. We're not wildly different. We have some slight differences. And as I answer this question, I hope that folks that are running their businesses or trying to find their dreams, they don't think they have to be wildly different, you know, just yeah. slightly different. Because if you try to be wildly different, I think it puts so much pressure. One of the things that makes us slightly different, um, but there's other firms out there that do this too, but slightly different. We do use a lot of uh, improvisation as a way to, as a teaching tool that we've talked on earlier. Um, mm -hmm. So that kind of is a differentiator. So our level of engagement and interactivity when we teach communication, teamwork, um, you're going to be on your feet. I think mm -hmm. another thing that um, that is hard to market that makes us slightly different is we we lean into this challenging component. Like it's hard to pitch, but it's not all like, let's have fun. It's also yeah. like, it's also like, let's, um, Let's challenge ourselves, which um, I've had a tricky time marketing because, you know, no company is going to be like, let's get out of our comfort zone, but we need to. So that's, right. I think, another slight differentiator is um, we will uh, we'll stretch and we'll say, look, let's do this like a workout. We're not going to get hurt, but let's let's work on conversation skills and empathy and listening mm -hmm. and let's um, let's do some hard things together um, in a safe environment. So I'd say those are the two, the interactivity and the fact that we do. We do, you know, stretch people and we want to get people out of their comfort zone a little bit because the reality is in business, you are out of your comfort zone a lot. If you're yeah. public speaking or presenting or having a difficult conversation with your boss or starting a company. So those totally would be the true. two. Totally true. Um, which has been most rewarding for you, Game On Nation or the world of entertainment? Ooh. But at different, I guess... Maybe that's a tough question because, you know, you were doing things at different times of your life. You were a bit of a different person in entertainment than you are now, but. Yeah, but I still think I could probably answer that, like, I mean, they're all fulfilling. I'd say that, that here's what I'll say. The Game on Nation has been more fulfilling, Trinette, because it involves more people. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. when you're an actor. It's a solo show. You're like, I mean, yeah, you have your agents and your managers and you're on a cast, but like you're, you're your own business. Yeah. And so as I go, the company goes, cause it's Steve Shenbaum. And I don't mean to use, to refer to myself as a third person in like a narcissistic way, but game one's more fulfilling because I, I realize that one of the things I really love to do is create other opportunities for people. Like I'm really into that. And when you're an actor, it's all about you. And yeah. And that's, it actually can get draining. I don't think we're wired as human beings, Trinette, to be solo, you know, like yeah, to, to be isolated. I mean, there's, I love being alone. I know you do. It's great. But like, yeah, game on is fulfilling to me because I have a group of people I'm working with and I love watching them succeed and grow. Sometimes they stay with game on. Sometimes they move on and create their own agencies. And I find that really, really fulfilling. That to me is like legacy level stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's my answer. <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. Do you ever miss being an actor? Ooh, I get that question a lot. I'm always like, am I being honest? I don't because I um I do get that fulfillment of performance by presenting on stage. Like I'm in front of audiences all the time and it's a variety of audiences. It could be like 16-year-old junior soccer players. It could be like, you know, corporate executives in a financial institution or military personnel. No, I don't miss it. I do every now and then think, I wonder if this whole journey could be a show, like could be a sitcom, kind of like a, mm. like a, in here, maybe you run with it, kind of like a um, Ted Lasso meets like Jerry Maguire meets like King's Speech, because I, I do a lot of public, that. yeah, so anyway, but here's the challenge. I would want such control of the message so it doesn't go from like my heart to like just a whacked, dirty, dark story. That That's my concern. So I don't, I would love to see Game On as a show, but I also know that in order to create ratings, sometimes they're like, can Steve have a, um, a heroin addiction? And like, that's just... <laughs> It's like, I love the idea. I love it. Can, what about a, what about a meth lab? You know, you're like, nah, I don't have a meth lab, but can you, can you have a meth lab? And then it'd be fun. It'd be interesting. You do improv and have a meth lab. I'm like, I don't Is have a, meth a serial lab. killer at night. Right. That, but that's it. Right. It's like, yeah. How, how'd the show go? I pitched it, but then I didn't get first right of refusal. So now I'm a fugitive and I teach improv. <laughs> <laughs> My laugh, look at my laugh sign just fell. It was so cute. But I love that you asked that. No, I'm really answering like on the fly right now. This is really good. Like, I do, I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. But then, yeah, I wouldn't want them to be like, Steve, love your idea. You're not playing yourself. But um, uh, I'm trying to think of like the most dyke, gorgeous guy. Like, who's like that? <laughs> like, who's the Chris Helmsworth? Steve, we're going to have you be played. Chris, Chris Helmsworth is. Not me, I know, but it's just thank you for all your service. But Chris is going to take it from here. And you're, I'm like on the side, like Chris Helms was like, how you doing, man? Nice to meet you. I'm like, how did you get my part? Why are you talking to my wife? <laughs> He's like, I agree to be a meth head. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm a good looking blue eyed meth head. I'm like, oh, that's how you got it. Well. And the game's the show's called like Game Off. It's not even called Game On. So you joke, but like there's producers out there listening going, not a bad idea. <laughs> Speechwriter by day, improvisationalist by day, like high energy fun. Meth head by night. Oh my God. This sort oh, of tea. answered the second part of my question. I was gonna ask you, does game on give you similar satisfaction? It does. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. It you get I get the best of both worlds. I get a chance to engage with people and interact. Um, so there's that. But I also get that a little bit of stability. I mean, it's still hard to be an entrepreneur, but we're past sort of the startup yeah. phase. Yeah. And you have yeah. like so much more control over your life and your your destiny and you're not sitting on the four oh five. Oh goodness. Oh my you just triggered me. You just triggered me. You just triggered me. <laughs> Folks, those of you listening who don't know the 405, <laughs> you don't want to know it. <laughs> you don't want to know the 405. Oh my gosh, it's so funny you said that. 
but spent yeah, a lot of time in LA last year. I shouldn't say a lot of time, but uh, I was out in LA a couple times last year, and just going anywhere. I know anywhere. I know. You know, it used to be you could, you know, dart down what uh, Third Street Sep- by Sepulveda. La Brea. Or, yeah, yeah, like yeah. any any kind of thing. Olympic like Boulevard background or um uh back streets or whatever. None yeah. of that exists anymore. No, because they know about None back streets. So everyone's like, yeah. I have a shortcut. Like that's that's no longer a shortcut. Yeah. So everyone's on Olympic. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh. oh goodness. Ridiculous. So thinking of triggers. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 405. <laughs> um what has been the biggest lesson you learned as an actor that influences your work today? Mm. I think the two th- the things that you could do as an actor that you could do as a business person is take care of yourself. Mm. I mean it. I know it sounds so unexciting. We just did that riff on like Chris Helms were taking my part, but like I'm being grounded now. Like I worked as an actor and I probably would have stayed working if I um you know, took it like a serious profession, like remember to write thank you notes and remember people's names and be coherent and present in interactions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the same in a business. It, it, you are, it's like, okay, let me, let me just phrase it this way, Trinette. In the sports world, people take care of their bodies in order to succeed as an athlete. That's a given, right? That wouldn't be a yeah. shocking statement. I think that those things can also be played out as actors and as entrepreneurs it's important and this is hard because it's not exciting like when i worked it was when i actually like prepared and looked at Mm. the lines and got sleep the night before and Mm. got to the audition a little early and remembered the director's name and was coherent in the audition like those it's clarity of mind you know and same in business like it's, it's, um, I'll just be very blunt. It's hard to run a business and lead people if you are sleep deprived. Yeah. If you are hungover, yeah. if you are making poor decisions on the daily, like, you know, I don't mean to be a fun sponge, but those are the things that I think combine both industries is you do have to treat your process like um, an elite athlete. You have to take care of your body, stretch out, make sure your voice is in good shape and make sure your yeah. mind is clear. Yep, because all we have is our health, mental Come and otherwise. On. Yeah. You know, and then look da- after that stuff. It's true, Trina. And then the danger of you going south with that is you will, in Hollywood, you will get a little bit of negative behavior positively reinforced, but it won't last long. But, you know, I mentioned right. in a previous conversation you and I had, there is a little bit of in Hollywood, especially for my style, you, your my categories are different. You know, you were more in as an actress in modeling and I was more of a character actor. But, you know, you could act erratic and people be like, oh, you're interesting. They'll cast you. But eventually, um, you know, you're, you're, you're risking your mental health for uh, success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for them to write you off the show anyway. So like. hundred percent. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you're interesting. By the yeah. way, you're, you're dying then, in the next And then scene. not take your call <laughs> ever again. Remember me? Hello. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Scott. Chris it's so true though oh my goodness oh my goodness um what lessons have your daughters taught you that influence your work oh first of all tell me about your daughters tell us oh now you got me because they are 
beautiful little girl. Thank you, Trinette. Well, I got to give my wife credit. I got a 12 year old and a nine year old, Blake and Bailey. You know, I kind of like one of the things about being a father is, you know, and I, and let's be real. I'm an older father. I was, I'm 53. I was 40 when I got married. One of it is back to the theme we talked about is I want to take care of myself. Like, my mm-hmm. g- girls, well, first of all, they're really direct and straight. They, they are a little sassy. It's all right. I'll, I want to lean into that boldness because I want them to be bold, strong women. But they can be, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Um, <laughs> but they have checked me, especially the young one, Bailey, which should be like, Dad, you're older than all the other dads. Like, how old are you going to be when I get married? How oh old God. are you going to be when like, are you going to be able to walk me down the aisle? Like, you know, and, <sighs> and, 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 and no, it's kind of harsh. But what it does do is makes me really think like, that's serious. Like, you know, I may be in my 60s when my girls are in their 20s and I not may, I'm going to be in my 60s. Yeah. And so, yeah, take making better decisions, trying to take care of myself a little bit, going back mm-hmm. to that idea that when you're solo, you can drive a little erratically, metaphorically. But yeah. when you got kids and wife in the car, metaphorically, you're, you're, you're going to drive a little safer. So that's one. And they are also really, really funny. They're really funny. Well, I can't imagine them not being funny with you as a father. Thank you. But they are. They're really, they're funny. The young one's funnier than me. Don't tell her that. (laughs) I won't tell her. (laughs) Um, Tell me, Steve, what are you reading right now? You know, one of the books, it's not a new book, not a voracious. I was, it's funny. Whenever people like, what books do you read? I always try to use a big word. (laughs) (laughs) Not a variety. <laughs> I do. It's like that's my way of defending myself. Like, you You're know, like, when someone I doesn't read a lot, we're like reading. Totally. It's funny you ask, Trinette, as an erudite myself. <laughs> I'm not. I literally just said I'm not a voracious reader. Like, dude, come on, man. You don't use that word unless you feel defensive. Um, I am reading this book by two brothers. It's the Heath brothers. Dan Heath is one of the names. It's called The Power of Moments, actually. It's not a book that's current. I think they wrote it like six years ago. Mm. It's a really cool book. In essence, it talks about how we as human beings will love a moment, but the entire experience may actually be quite ridiculously like challenging. Example being like going to Disney. It's The lines are exhausting. It's hot. But there'll be a moment, that magical moment that Disney creates and human beings will be like, greatest experience ever. You know, like. Yeah, where it, everything else melts away. Exactly. Actually, it, it, there's one also where there's like a hotel where we all used to hang out. Tea. I think it's the Four Seasons. It might in, in L.A. where they have one of those mm-hmm. hotels. They have like a, a, a phone you could pick up and there's, they, they, they deliver uh, popsicles. It's like the popsicle phone. And, and they study that. And they talk about that awe, that sh- that awe and delight of like the surprise and delight of like that those types of things, like those magical moments that end up allowing people to be like greatest experience ever when it really wasn't, but there was a moment in that yeah. experience that resonated with you. So I'm really intrigued by because I think it's true. I think we go back after a trip or something. We'll be like that was, and then I'm always fascinated. What was it, and how can we create those moments? Uh, in, with our families, with our relationships, and in our teaching in Game On, those moments that are not actually like wildly radical, just slightly different. Well, it, it goes back to what you're saying before about empathy and compassion. You know, you, somebody calls downstairs for a popsicle, 
they bring it up and you could be, it doesn't matter if you're in the Four Seasons or the Ritz or whatever, but if you're having a, a bad day or if you're in your own moment and yeah. you're like, I just I need a popsicle. And there you go. That, that go- changes the whole day. Yeah. And it goes to something that you and I talked a little bit about before we went on the air, which is, I think sometimes as human beings, if we want to go there, like we complicate how to honor people, you know, mm. like just think, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. It, it companies, yes, it's good in companies to like give raises and salary bonuses and job promotion. No question. Like you need to honor people. There's also things like remembering their birthday or yeah. Not maybe having a lunch and learn, like maybe let them eat lunch. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm just being real. Like I just now upset like half a corporate America, but like, think about it. Popsicle. Yeah, just let them eat. <laughs> let them. I love that. Like, dude, we're going to do a lunch and learn just to inc- improve productivity. No, you're not. You're just trying to maximize another right. hour. You're like, oh, so you're not giving them lunch or private time during the day. <laughs> it, am I wrong? Am I wrong? You're not wrong. And, and, and I got caught up in it. We were doing these lunch and learns and I stopped. I was like, what? Here's an idea. Let them eat lunch. Let them, let it, give them that 52 minutes and they can do whatever they want. Right. So back to as human, I think sometimes we think of grand, grand things to like honor people. And problem is then we remove ourselves from doing anything that's because grand is hard. Like mm-hmm. surprise birthday parties and wild celebrations and getting on a plane and flying across the country to, to see an old friend. Those are all very special. But what about like Popsicle? Like what about remembering someone's birthday? What about like texting them and say, hey, I was just thinking about you and you came up on a memory on social media and I yeah. hope you're well. Like that goes yeah. a long way and it's free. Yep. Yep. So yep. moments. I've moments are way better. good friend in, uh, in California in the Bay. Uh, where I used to live. And every so often she will just send me flowers, Gosh, you know, and it just, it's everything. It's everything. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's even that, and it, it, like, it's not like a special occasion, which even makes it more special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just thinking of you, T. Hope you're well. Gosh, that's radical. Yeah. And doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes, kind of goes back to that question you asked. Trinette, about um, you know what makes your company different, what makes you different. I think for anyone listening at my age, I'd really encourage people don't don't turn this into some superpower. I'm not knocking that run, but superpowers like if you think about that, like I don't fly. I'm not a super man, you know. And I think when we think of superpower, it, it removes us from actually doing anything uh, that's simple. But like, mm. can you send a flowers to someone? Yeah. Can you remember someone's birthday? Yeah. Can you remember someone's name? Yeah. Can you give someone a, a time to eat lunch? Yeah. <laughs> these, are all, yeah. these are really actionable moves. Right. They're not like, it's not a viral tweet. Right. It's not going to go viral. Like, what did that speaker just say? He said, try to remember someone's name. <laughs> wow. This guy's amazing. What a great presenter. He's, he's spitting fire, you know, he's so he's hitting me with so many good nuggets. Like try to get eight hours of sleep, try to say the name properly, try to let people eat lunch. Like, right. It's just not interesting at all. It's not going to make a TV show. 
Well, not if Chris Helmholtz did it. I knew it. I knew he was coming back. I knew he was coming back. This is not about Chris Trinette. <laughs> ah, Helmsworth. If it weren't for you, I'd still be a former character actress. My girls and Jackie, my wife, call him Blue Eyes. He does this show like on. Like, he's too much. He's too much. Let's get him on this podcast. Let's grill him. Poke out his flaws. What's wrong with you? No, seriously. Take out those contacts. You have brown eyes. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It's too much. Oh, goodness. My last question for you, Steve, yes. is what piece of music moves you? Oh, wow. I have a really eclectic taste in music. Mm-hmm. Really eclectic. I will tell you, and this is this is not what Shemi back in the LA days listened to, Trinette. I'm really into gospel music. Really? I'm really into worship music. Yeah, I am. Which is another like part of just the growth. Like I do love like all sorts of wild, but like again, when you have children, you're not like asking Alexa to throw up Eminem, you know, on yeah. the on the uh on the yeah. soundtrack. Uh but yeah, I'm really into worship music. Like uh, Lauren Daigle is really wonderful. Maverick City music, I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillsong, United, um, Bethel. So yeah, uh, that's been like my jam. And that's what I listen to before I present on stage. Because the last thing I need is to listen to like Turn Down for what? Before I come on stage. <laughs> that's like sugar on sugar. <laughs> right? I get it. Yeah. What about you? What's what's your what's what's on the playlist? Oh boy. Depends on my mood, like Yeah. If I need a bit of hype or to feel powerful or let's say before um an important professional conversation. Yeah. Maybe some Florence in the machine. Come on. Like I just love her voice. It is just so powerful and raw. You know, it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it is, it's so empowering, you know? Yeah. So that's definitely one. Um, Aretha Franklin, all time. Oh, okay. Love know. her. And I love that movie. Respect. Loved it. Did you see the documentary Amazing Grace? Yes. Jackie and I watched it. Yeah. yeah. That's Incredible. kind of been a big, that we just in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. But you bring up something, I know it's your last question, but you bring up something I think is so important, which is, this is another tangible thing people can do. Like what music are people listening to before they go into that job interview or go on that date or go and, you know, when you talk about like, you know, taking ownership of your, you know, journey and, and walking through that door, like, I think people should think about like, what's the, what's the soundtrack that they're listening to before they go in? What's that outfit that they love to wear that feels, makes them feel confident. Who are they mm-hmm. calling? Who's their phone a friend? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is it your friend who's sending flowers or is it someone who maybe doesn't speak life into you and mm-hmm. be aware of that? You know, who are you mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with? What are you listening to? Because those things matter deeply uh, as we take care of our, our health and uh, go after our calling. I could not agree more. I can't think of a better note to end this conversation on, Steve. Thanks, Thank Trinette. you so, so much for taking time out of your very busy day 
to come on to my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. You had my back 24 years ago when I was Shemi and I wasn't listening to worship music. I was listening to all sorts of nonsense. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You were such a blessing then. And here we are 25 years later. Thank you. Thank you, T. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this latest episode of My Time, My Life. And until next time, take care. Bye. My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint is a Floor 51 production.